Shall we begin? Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure? It's time. It's time. Yeah, you need to say it's time. Stay calm. Help. I need somebody. Don't ask me a question. If you don't want to hear what my answer is, I'm going to answer it. Not just anybody. You know I need someone. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for Shock Therapy, episode 18. Already? We do this once a month, which means this is the 18th month we have done Shock Therapy. A lot's happened in 18 months. That's over a year. That's uh, a year and a half almost. That's 18 hours of our time doing Shock Therapy. That's also true. And if you guys (laughs) want to uh, ask any questions ever during Shock Therapy... You can do so by texting 816-787-1511. You can also comment in the comment section if you're watching on YouTube and Twitch. That's true, because we are live. Or snitch. This this isn't the first shock therapy that has been actually live live. However, it has been a while. The first one on Twitch and YouTube. The one and only other live one was on Facebook. Yeah, and it was was a while ago. It was. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Um, for those of you who have never listened to a shock therapy episode of the Vent Lab, JOS, do your best to explain it. Shock therapy is just meant to create a conversation around things that are important to our listening audience. It's way different than our other podcasts. Yeah. This one is all about um, dilemmas or issues that you're dealing with in your life or questions yeah. that you have. And we bring JOS in. To help us answer those um, biblical questions because we paid a lot of money for his degree. <laughs> That's part of it. But really, it is encountering uh, the one true God of Scripture, and we want to make sure that there's a framework that gives you something to go from and also to, to look into uh, because of being a follower of Christ. We want to provide a framework that you'd say, you know what, that, that means a lot to me, or I have more questions about that. And so shock therapies, yeah, meant to engage your world with the world that God's given us through the scripture. And so I uh, hope that brings you some encouragement tonight. And now that we're live, mm-hmm. you won't just hear me get annoyed. You can actually see me <laughs> yes. get annoyed. It's, a, it's like a tradition for Rebecca to always be annoyed during shock therapy. Yes. It's because Jay mm-hmm. West is here. Yep. And you think I'm kidding. <laughs> nope. I get very annoyed. They're married, though. So it kind of makes you wonder, <laughs> how does this work? Uh, I don't know. I now they say opposites attract. Yeah. Now you're just quoting Paul Abdul. Is that who said that? <laughs> well, back There's in the a 90s. Song. Yeah. Opposites attract. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. She has the cartoon character the cartoon wolf thing character. that dances yeah. with her. Yes. We'll watch it after this. Yeah, we don't have good. to watch it after. Yeah. You guys remember whenever Paula Abdul <laughs> was uh, a uh, uh, judge on American Idol? Uh-huh. I remember this. That's the only, I know. only way I recognize it's a generational that generational thing. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard a Paula Abdul song. Rush. Sing it Rush. I mean, no, no okay. I, I don't. The answer to that will always be no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, do we have questions? Should we get started on questions? Do we want to goof and gaff for a little bit longer before getting into them? How many? How many do we have? Um, we have like five. It's great. Okay. Five. We have five questions. So uh, that's like if it's a hour podcast. Yeah. Then that's. You done fifteen minutes each. Is no, that right? Twelve minutes. You know, we don't have to focus on a specific time for any question. We're just, you know. Okay, the the reason why I get annoyed is because Nathan says that Jay West can, like, lead this. But this is my thing. And so then, (laughs) and he doesn't know how to do it. And so then he does terrible transitions and stuff. I try. And I want to be in control. And But Nathan said he gets to be in control. I don't know why I'm letting Nathan make those decisions Anyway, I think it's because you're a good friend, you know, it's part of the compromise that you have it to make part of the compromise. Uh, we talked about these. Uh, yeah, last we week, talked right? about it during the, the secret lab. This is why. How do you. We talked I'm about it during the secret arms. lab. So most people <laughs> have not heard this conversation we had about. Oh, like how sometimes about you just how you're like, overly controlling. No? Mm-hmm. OK, well, uh, you're just way overly controlling because mm-hmm. this is the one thing I get. Yes, that's exactly what I said and how I said She's it. She's so, so spoiled. Mm-hmm. If you ever are... Guys, I am. I'm so spoiled. She's incredibly spoiled. And Jay West is just an enabler. He is. Should no. we talk about that? Just madly in love with her. 
That's what it is. That is the grossest thing <laughs> I've ever Let's get to the question. So the first one is about um, somebody's dog who died. Hey, this hits home. Well, do you want to bring up? I don't have the question right here. Don't I thought you I guys can bring had it up? Yeah, I can bring questions. it up. Hey, chill. I can bring it up on yep. the computer. Anyway, I'm not supposed to be the one leading here, so go ahead. Oh, Jay you're West. protesting now. <laughs> it's a very serious matter. Speaking of losing, for those something, of you who are this... listening on the podcast, I just gave an annoyed look. That is important. You, they can hear it in your voice. Mm-hmm. There's a sigh. All right, Jay West. What's this the listener question? texted in and said, "We lost our dog." Last December, I am very sorry for loss. They said, from cancer, and I've shed many, many tears over her, more than over some people I've lost. And this is somewhat normal? Question mark, question mark. She was always there and happy to please. Thanks. That's a great question. Happy to please? Also, for you, for those of you watching who just saw Nathan and I try to keep from laughing, it was because... What? She said, I've shed many tears. A dog, like, shed. shed. Because they shed. Shed. It's a really insensitive I joke. I did not. Hey, just, I did not pick up. Jay on West, that. that's so insensitive. Do not a serious bring question? up jokes during this time. What is yeah. wrong? Just with the you? word "shed" made me think of like when a dog sheds, like a husky. So. Oh, hi, Elvis. Um, yes. I so, think there's something very cool here that relates to the fact that uh, God allows us to have pets. He gives us, you know, in the creation order that um, as men and women who. Have pets, right, Rebecca? All the years. Do you want me to go ahead and take this while you think about it? <laughs> no, go ahead, but I'm just saying. No, go Jackie, ahead. I'm thinking about Jackie Boy because Why? there's a huge... Why would you be annoyed? Okay, so <laughs> we had a Cocker Spaniel named Jack. Okay, story and time. for Rebecca, he was like, best dog ever. And I was Elvis like... Elvis is sitting I know right he is, here. but I'm, Elvis, I'm being he sensitive. was way better than you. But I remember how attached you got to Jack. And it never really dawned on me, uh, even going through school or work, how we're wired and get attached to pets. I never really thought about it, even growing up with the dog and the cat and all that. I just knew it was really important. I think there's something really unique there. There's a bond that happens in the creation order where we have dominion over animals. And I don't mean that in a, you know, a condescending way. I'm just saying that there's a unique bond that someone can have with a pet. That you're like, this is my pet. This is really cool. And so to be able to mourn over the loss of a pet, I think there's something really special there. Um, And it comes in different waves. Okay, so the question was, is it normal to be sad about the loss of a pet for a long period of time? Is it normal? Yeah. Didn't you read the question? I did, but I'm just giving a little bit of background, which is what I do. Let me start from a foundation of how I'm processing this. You know what blows my mind about this, (laughs) James? Is that Rebecca is a radio professional, and she understands the importance of setting up a scenario. Yeah. But as soon as you start doing exactly that. Because he's setting it up wrong. I was sharing. He's not setting it up wrong. (laughs) I was sharing about your affection for the dog that I was like, he meant that much to you? That's pretty amazing. I should have paid more attention in my <laughs> biblical counseling classes whenever they were talking about marriage counseling so that I could really help you, <laughs> too. How would you answer this question, yeah. Rebecca, all-knowing? I think it's uh, I think it's okay for somebody to mourn for a, a long time for a pet. I don't think that... There should be any stipulations on how long anybody mourns over anything. If you feel that kind of pain, then you must have had a strong attachment. And I think that's a beautiful thing. If God gives you a gift of a pet that has served that purpose in your life so strongly that you have a hard time, like moving, that you have a hard time (laughs) moving on from it, I think that's okay. I think it's important to work through that process. And I think, um, if you are starting to miss out on things in your life because you're mourning for a long yeah. time over a pet, then maybe you need some assistance in talking through that with somebody. But I don't think it's unusual to have the same attachment for an animal that you have for some humans. Let me let me ask you this. At what point does it become a risk of idolatry? Mourning over the death of a pet? Yeah, like at what point does it become more than just like, wow, it made a big impact in my life and an obsession that if you will over- care about the pet while it's alive or dead or both more than you're caring about people around you. So 
to answer the question, you would say, like, yes, it's totally normal. Just don't let it overtake everything in your life. Yes. If it starts to overtake everything in your life, then you pr- should probably seek help in working through that because you're, you're not working through that pain you're feeling. You're stagnant in how you feel. So, okay, Here, here's another question. Um, some people would say that you should give yourself enough time after like breaking up with somebody mm-hmm. before jumping into another relationship. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's the same for a pet? If, if your dog dies, should you wait before getting another one rather than trying to fill in the gap that is now left? I think it is different for everybody. And sometimes dogs, animals, pets serve different purposes. Yeah. And so depending on the purpose that that animal serves, like I waited three years before I got another mm-hmm. pet because I just mourned for a really long time. Like I just didn't think that I was going to find another dog that was able to do what that dog did for me. But then I did three years later, I was ready. Like I knew when I was ready to get another dog. See, that's kind of why I went back to the whole Genesis story, the narrative of when, you know, Adam was naming off all the animals and he's given all these names. He had not found a helper suitable for him. And that was the whole point of sharing that about there is this unique bond. So didn't he give him a woman and not a dog? Hold on. I'm getting there. So all of a sudden he's like, of all of this creation that God's done in his amazing handiwork, I still don't have a helper suitable for me. So then he took the rib closest to his side and for woman closest to his heart, not from his foot or his heel or his head, boom, from his heart. Now there's this beautiful relationship. And this is the point. When I talked about the dominion piece, those pets are not meant to replace the companionship that God set into motion for you to have human relationship interaction. So the point is, don't miss out on those things. If you are still burdened by the loss of your pet, I think, Rebecca, your counsel was really great on saying, maybe it's time to take the next step and making sure and doing that checklist of like, what relationships am I not thriving in that I'm, I have withdrawn, that this pet you know, has now affected me in this way, the loss of this pet. So, you know, on the one hand, you have this complement of this unique bond, but if it's wrecking your relationships closest to you, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do something about that. I was talking with a friend today whose best friend lost her husband suddenly this summer. And um, the, the, she was mourning the loss of her friend's husband, but because of what her friend was going through and mourning her own husband, um, the relationship, like the friendship changed and she began to mourn also the loss of her friend, that friendship that they once had. Um, but she didn't realize like how much it was affecting her until her husband brought it up and said, Hey, I think that this is really affecting you. I've been noticing these things and suggested that maybe she see a therapist. And so for the last few months, she's been seeing a therapist for the first time in her life. And she said, you know, that she didn't realize how much of an impact mourning that loss had had on her life and um, was thankful that her husband like made her notice what was going on and suggested that she get help. And that was beneficial to her. So maybe for you, it's the same type of situation. This, this might, well, it's definitely going to derail the conversation a little bit. And it might also sound like a stupid question, (laughs) which is, you know, fine. Um, And if you guys have a question, don't think it's stupid. You could text us 816-787-1511 and we'll answer it. Even if we do think it's stupid, because if it's, uh, yeah, it might not be stupid to you. I don't know. Regardless. Anyway, um, so animals don't have souls. Cars don't have souls. Is it? Is there any difference between mourning the loss of a car and mourning the loss of a cat or dog or guinea pig or some pet? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you crash your car, your car just poops out. And you're like totally distraught about it for four months. Because you loved your car. Because you loved your car. Yeah. Is that okay, or do you have to be like, well, okay, yeah, but it was just a, just an earthly item. I feel like there, even if an animal doesn't have a soul, I feel like it's it's living. And it's a living creature. And it loves you back. So what about most plants? of the time? <laughs> what about plants? Well, a plant doesn't love you back. But it does live. And it doesn't have feelings. And it probably does. You just, you're, you're not capable of, of seeing those. Yeah, I've never cried Man. over the death of a plant before. I mean, 
You're pretty soulless. <laughs> Special flowers. I'd cry over that because the sentimental value behind okay. it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Have you ever actually cried over the sentimental value of a flower? <laughs> you cried. Oh. And I thought that was over really the nice. sentimental value of a flower? Yeah, because of just going through loss or grief and Rebecca, really, that was really there's tough. somebody when? listening right now who has a real when? sentimental When did I cry over the sentimental value of a flower? A family member, a friend. The symbolism behind maybe the color or the kind of flower that because it was their flower. There was like an attachment to that flower. So, back to my question. Yeah. Um, no soul. It doesn't have a soul. Animals don't have souls. Right. Can you cry over a car or a computer or... Rebecca, if I cried over a car before that I had to get rid of? Yes. Mm-hmm. But did was you, it sinning? Did you mourn over that? I didn't mourn, but I was definitely heartbroken. He still stalks it on Facebook. Is exactly. there... Is, is, is there a, a difference there? <laughs> like, if, if it's like uh, two years later and you're still distraught over losing your car, would you be like, all right, buddy, like, it's time to move on. It was a car. Though. I think that's probably the, the real case scenario because it's a car. But when you talk about a pet that maybe it's been with you three, five, nine years. Cars can last that long. Yeah. True, but it's not a living thing. It's a man-made Hunk of metal. So, so it's better to mourn. That met your ego, possibly your personality, possibly. Okay, so. But like animals were put here as like a gift to us. They're they were put here. They were Most basically a gift like from God. Yeah, like. <laughs> How about a coyote? Was that a gift? Or a wolf? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Maybe it's an for animal, right? taking out other animals that could take you out. Maybe. Well, maybe the I mean, they before, serve human needs. Yeah, before the sin, I think all animals were uh, pretty docile. So they would all be, you know, was pets. Yeah. Counting them off. There probably well, wasn't as many one. dogs. I don't think there was any pugs you know, in the Garden of Eden. I haven't thought a lot about that. The fact that, that all animals would have been docile. Man. They'll be docile again someday. Oh, Elvis, don't knock over the... You know, in the <laughs> no. New Jerusalem. That'd be pretty neat. You'd be able to uh, hang out with wolves and whales. And like curl up with a tiger. And I'm going to ride a whale. I don't care. I'm going to ride one. Well, you think Try about to stop me. When you think about in the scriptures where they, you know, they're representing or where Jesus represents the lion and the lamb, there's something unique. There's you're like, wait a second, we're talking about animals, but there is something positional in the creation order about that. The lion of Judah, but then there's the spotless lamb because Jesus is the spotless lamb. So we're talking about soul, non-soul. There's just this imagery there that we can paint a picture that He created. And if we can get to the very fact that God created, it just wasn't by accident and boom, you know, some accidental boom. No, it's that God created. And we can look in Genesis 1 and see that as a reflection when he started creating animals. There's a purpose for animals. So, hmm. Interesting. I'm still going to ride a whale, regardless. We swam with dolphins. That was pretty cool. I felt accepted by a dolphin. I think we're ready to move on to the next question. <laughs> okay. What is the next question? Yeah. I don't know if I was in charge of making the transitions, then Holy I would do that, cow. but it's, I'm not. Rebecca, you're the only person that has written them down. I in didn't front of write you. the questions down. I just took little notes to like prompt what was coming next. Where did you send us the questions? On Facebook in our shock therapy group. I never received such a. All right, I'm gonna load up Facebook, and I hope you are wrong. <laughs> Here we go, Facebook <laughs> Messenger. Nope, they're not there. Oof. They are. Yeah, they are. All right, they're there. I just never got a <laughs> notification for it. Whatever. So what's uh? Okay, so, so let's go to this one. Did we answer one. the question? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. Cool. Cool. About okay. The dog. How do you, how do you grow out of being shy? Wow. Okay. Honestly, Rebecca, you go first because I'll just start yapping. <laughs> well, I don't think you grow out of being shy. I think um, if you are shy, you find yourself shy. That you have to, like, develop different skills and things that will help you be less shy. But Give an example. sometimes being shy is part of your personality. Okay. Um, if you're shy, I'm going to take a big, a big leap here and say you might be an introvert. That's a pretty good which conclusion. Which means that you get energy from being alone. Mm -hmm. And when you're around people... You tend to lose energy, depending on the people that you're around. Because I'm an introvert, and so when I'm around a lot of people, then I will appear shy because I think inward or I find an animal in the room and I hide and, like, 
curl up with that animal. This is very true. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so um, the door to our studio's open because it's really hot in here, and so you're going to hear a lot of noise. <laughs> Rebecca's kids are very room. loud. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, so like I would consider myself a shy person when I'm around a group of people. Um, but there's things that I've done to help me be able to be in that group of people. And that's like putting myself outside of my comfort zone and practicing having small talk with people and, and realizing that I can only take like a certain amount of having small talk with people before I get exhausted and have to go take some time away again to recharge. That's not because you're annoyed by them. It's just the fact that it drains you Mm -hmm. in the way that you're wired. Absolutely no energy. And if somebody wants to challenge me when I have no energy, I will lose it on them. Yeah. I've witnessed this before. I I think you're right in that it, it's just something that you gotta, you gotta figure out what, 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 how you work, like what works for Mm you. I, I, I thought I was really shy, but turns out I just don't like talking in groups. Not mm-hmm. like talking to a group, but talking in groups. Interacting within the group. Yeah, like if, if there's more than three people, I will probably not talk very much because I just, I'll sit there and I'll listen to the conversation that's going on. And initially I thought that there was like something wrong with me. Like I was shy, but no, if I could, I, I can talk to pretty much anybody one-on-one. And so I think, it, yeah, it's just figuring out how you work. Early on in Jay West and I's marriage, um, I thought something was wrong with me. He thought something was wrong with me because he's an extrovert. And because he's in ministry, we would be out with people all the time. And we'd get home and I would just want to be alone. I'd want to like, I would lock myself in the bathroom. (laughs) And the reason why I'd lock myself in the bathroom is because if I just tried to have time alone, he wouldn't give me any time alone. And then he would like, pick at me like didn't understand what's wrong like are you mad at me did i do something wrong are you upset did i say something i'm like analyzing all my no, and it literally took years to figure yeah. out like that nothing was wrong with oh. me that that's just the way that i made and as like when we figured that out it was like changed everything with how like we fight and arguments and stuff because we learned like how each other works mm-hmm. but yeah that was that was a difficult thing early on in our marriage because when I think something's wrong with me and my husband thinks something's wrong with me and so there's always that tension there and you're in an environment that's fighting against how you're made. Um, yeah, that caused a lot of tension in our marriage. But figuring that out that I just needed like breaks and time away and that there was nothing wrong with me, I just needed to recharge was yeah. huge. And so... Maybe that's the same case for you. And it also taught me how to be able to like be a little more self-controlled in my emotional framework because of being an extrovert, I needed to give not just space, but I needed to like respect your personality and the way that you recharge. It's like once I finally figured out, I don't know, 15 years later that this is going to help our marriage, if you just have that alone Wait, it took 15 years? That's what you said, didn't you? I said a couple years. Okay, it felt like. Felt like 15 years, right? (laughs) I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. But overall, it was the reality that this will benefit us in our communication, uh, the way that we share life and responsibilities and just overall, just making sure things are working. It's like, you need time. Yeah. I'm out. And okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go read a book or take a nap or go play golf to allow her to have time to be able to recharge and be like, so how are you? And it's like, pick back up. And with him being an extrovert, I also had to be really supportive of him like going out and being with people when he craved that because otherwise he gets really irritable Mm -hmm. when he's not around people talking to people. He starts like badgering those close to him, like not on purpose (laughs) and not to be annoying, but because he's craving that the relationships and he gets energy from being around people. It's a filler. Then yeah, he, he sometimes can be over... Yeah, and I think it's one of those Not things. Not overwhelming. Yeah, okay. to some degree. Yeah, overwhelming, that's the word. I think the first thing is recognizing, okay, what's your strength within your personality? Then secondly, identify what's your pitfall. And then lastly, what do you need to change to improve in that? And I think that's part of just working through that and being really honest with yourself and those around you that are closest to you to say, hey, whenever I respond or react this way, what goes through your mind? Because sometimes we kind of cater to the benefit of the doubt we don't really address it. And then we, all of us are like, 
feeling the awkwardness of it rather than just talking it through in a really healthy way. Kind of like us, you know, figuring that out, like, yeah, nothing's wrong with you. I am so sorry that I was projecting as if something was wrong with you or wrong in our marriage. I accept or, your apology. No, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and did that just, take 21 years? <laughs> I said 15. <laughs> no, it just happened <laughs> okay, like just goodness. now. <laughs> So, yeah, I think in your shyness, I mean, we have some really sweet friends on all the years of ministry that they would say that they're super shy. And I would say in a lot of ways that is such a strength, uh, especially to someone being like me, an extrovert, that I need to see that strength harnessed in to help me kind of throttle back because I have a tendency to be overwhelming. And that's, you know, I needed to hear that. And Rebecca was really good at telling me that. Okay. <laughs> Elvis brought in some trash. So Something. Rebecca, I don't know what that was. Rebecca will be, uh, she'll be back. She will. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think that covers it pretty much just yeah. more, more, I don't know, because part of me wants to say, no, just embrace the shyness and figure it, figure out what your strengths are within that. Like you said, but then if somebody wants to actively stop being shy, mm-hmm. Is there is there advice of like basically how do you in in some ways how do you change your personality? Yeah, it's a tough one because I don't know if you can actually change your personality, but I think you can grow in your personality. And like I said, practicing small talk. Yeah, as uncomfortable as that is, you have to just push yourself to do those things. Hmm. And then you're like, I'm stating the obvious. Well, it's just working at it. Yeah. In some way, it seems like it's a waste of your time, but really. It's sometimes small talk is important. I mean, everybody needs to learn how to have some yeah. sort of small talk to be less socially awkward. Mm-hmm. Something that helped me um, because I am super bad at sm- small talk and I accredited, accredited a lot of that to being quote unquote shy. Um, but uh, something that helped me was I had a friend who was really good at small talk. And so I would, whenever talking to him, I would be taking mental notes of how he was changing the subjects or keeping on like he would, he would basically grab one thing that I would say and then like ask about that and then grab something off of that. And so this whole time I'm having a conversation with him and I'm like, I have no idea how this guy's doing it. And so I just started analyzing how he was having conversations. So I think there, I think there's stuff on the internet more than likely somebody on YouTube or some podcast or something where people talk about how to have small talk. And I think if you're a shy person that that might be something to look into of just practicing your conversation skills. Yeah. That was a really good suggestion of practicing it with a friend that's good at small talk and watching how they do things. And I think you could probably do that watching TV shows too. That too. Yeah. Guys, watch more TV. <laughs> and uh, wow. probably by listening to podcasts, you know, like the Vent Lab. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cool. Next I was question. Talking with, well, okay. oh, no, 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 you go ahead. You go ahead. I was what? just going to say, I was talking with a friend recently um, that I've known for like the last six, seven years. And he was just even saying, Jay West, your personality and mine are radically different. And I think it's so cool. Um, that we each brought strengths into the roles that we're, that we're in in ministry. And I was like, dude, I think that is super cool as well because um, people will <laughs> say, oh, man, right there you kind of sounded like Jay West. And he'd be like, eh? I am in no way uh, like Jay West's personality at all. And what it was is kind of it highlights what you just said, Nathan. Like in some of those ways he would – people would recognize something that all of a sudden he kind of picked up on mm-hmm. that was bringing him, a.k.a out of his shell. And uh, not that it was accredited to me. It was just the fact that he could be relatable with what you just presented as a scenario of shyness. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some way, uh, I guess that unlocked something in the way that he was beginning to share a little more with those closest to him that we both know together in ministry. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Cause I've had people at times say, what's wrong. You're so quiet. You know, <laughs> like yeah. nothing's wrong. I'm actually trying to, to harness in, some of this, you know, outward energy that that manifests with just how um, easily extroverted I, I can be, but it's almost weird because if I get quiet or shy, someone's like, "You all right, man? Yeah, I'm good." Because there's processing. Yeah, because they're sure so used wrong. to. Yeah. Know, yeah. You know, eyebrow lifts and smile and you know hand gestures and what's up, you know, and it's like, "Hey, everything all right? I'm 
good. I'm actually trying to be respectful of the group dynamic here mm-hmm. because I'm picking up, I'm learning that maybe most people in the group are a little more reserved or introverted. And I think that's a cool thing. And I need to be really like attentive to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's good. Cause that can, that can definitely be uh be something people can get overbearing whenever they're extroverted yeah. and walk into a circle and everybody knows that that person is extroverted and that they're like, <laughs> You're one of those super hyper and everything. And everybody's going, Oh, great. (laughs) Right. There goes the conversation. Um, I, I was listening. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, you can kind of see it on Rebecca's face, what she's totally up front about. Like, here we go. And it's like, she can just absorb it already. You want to talk about Rebecca behind her back while she's on here? She's coming. Oh, Oh, there she is. All right. Never mind. There she is. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Um, I was, I was listening to two people have a conversation at work. Um, yesterday, I think. And it was really interesting listening to them. There was a younger guy and a middle-aged guy. And the middle-aged guy was, like, talking about his travels and everything that he's done in life. And then the younger guy was just – he always had a question to ask. And it it wasn't, like, an annoying way or anything. Like, the guy would, like, whatever, say something about traveling to Paris or whatever like that. And then the younger guy would sit there and work a little bit. And then he'd look up and, and ask a question. And then the guy would like continue talking. And then the guy, okay, yeah, yeah. And then he'd ask another question. And I'm like, <laughs> these are kind of dumb questions. <laughs> like they weren't like mind flexing questions or anything. Like he was really intrigued. It was just like, so is Paris cool? <laughs> yeah, cool. You go to the Eiffel Tower? Or, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Did you, do you go so to the great. top? Can you go to the top? I have never been. No, you can, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So do they like eat baguettes there or do they like a lot of bread? I, like you know, Napoleon Dynamite. It, it, it kind of felt like that. And I was like, what is this conversation that I'm witnessing? But this this kid was oh just, gosh. he was good at having small talk. And he wasn't even contributing a lot to the conversation. He was just keeping the conversation going. And maybe he was a shy guy trying to practice yeah. his small talk or maybe he was just bored out of his mind at work and just wanted <laughs> some sort of human interaction. Yeah. Kind of like how Nathan man. responds when I'm just telling story after story after story. And he's uh-huh. like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's great. You got to let him talk, yeah, man. So yeah. Tell me more about that. Great. That is Tell so, me how that went. So cool. Speaking of introverts and extroverts, I got a question. So okay. it kind of goes in tandem with this because it's come up um, recently, I think in the, events of our nation, our world and outlook on and perspective on things, you know, is it good? Hold on. Here's the question. <clears throat> when does your optimism become extreme or when does your pessimism become extreme? Like, like, is there a line or yeah, where is there is a the line? line? I think that I've heard some conversations like mm, you're being really optimistic about that. Or, you know what? You're just being so negative. Like, why can't you have a better outlook? I that kind of thing. I think especially with optimism, there is a level of ignorance that blissful ignorance or just ignorance um both (laughs) i think if somebody's too optimistic about stuff i don't believe them there okay what's the criteria for not believing them then like like if everything i tell you you're optimistic about Mm -hmm. then i'll stop believing what you say because i feel like you're not being truthful you're just always Hmm. putting on an act do you think as a listener that's pretty accurate we want to know. Like, what, what's what's your other opinion? Um, I, w- I was going to say the line is where you start believing the lie that you might be telling. Mm-hmm. So optimism and pessimism, to an extent, could be a reflection of you lying to yourself. Okay. It's it's the ignorance of if you're, for instance, let's say you have a company and your company is not doing well at all, but you're really optimistic about it. And so you're keeping your head up. But to a point, you have to be like smart about things. And if you have to abandon that desire of running your business, then you have to face reality. But if your optimism is keeping you from facing that reality and making a wise decision, then you've crossed the line. I'd say that's fair. In other, uh, as far as pessimism goes, I think it goes the same way. If you are constantly lying to yourself, or some Christians might say the devil's lying to you, (laughs) you might never start the business to begin with. If that voice in your head is always negative and you're allowing that to be a reflection on, on how you are outwardly, mm-hmm. 
then yes. Yeah, or even the, I, I would say even inwardly. If, if you are constantly putting yourself down and keeping yourself from doing okay. uh, really what God has called you to do, then your pessimism is out of control and you've crossed the line. And especially in both cases, pessimism and optimism, if it's reflecting in a negative scenario in your conversations and your attitude towards people. I think I'd rather be That's an optimist point. than a pessimist. But I think I'm more a pessimist than I am an optimist. Is that 100%. an age-related thing? Uh, pessimism and optimism? Mm-hmm. Does I optimism say, start at I a younger age? I would say you're optimism, uh-huh. optimist, and I'm a pessimist, and we're around the same age. So it, what do you think? Um, I, I Just think, asking. I think that it is... Did you hear is, the pessimistic tone in my voice? <laughs> I loved it. It was a great scenario. I think it is more ge- gen- gen- uh, generational. Oh, okay. Generational. Um and I think that it is generational because it is whatever has the louder voice during that generation. So right now, I think our current, um, our, our up and coming generations are very optimistic because that's what's put on a pedestal right now. People don't want to hear negative stuff. So pessimism isn't going to be popular. Whereas with Twitter, though Twitter's kind of a negative platform right now. <laughs> yeah, I disagree with you <laughs> really? on that because I think like, we always give older people a hard time with the whole get off my lawn thing. Mm-hmm. Like we always talk about how they're always really pessimistic. So you think we're pessimistic about the older generations? Uh-huh. Yeah. But That's an interesting perspective. In a, I think we're stereotypical okay. about okay. the older generation. But the older generation generation is pessimistic about the younger generation. It's true. Millennials got a beating. I think we're often pessimistic mm. about people who aren't like us. It's true. I would argue, however, that the older generation, a.k.a. boomers, were pessimistic first. And the the term OK Boomer was a direct reply to millennials getting a lot of hate. And they decided, OK, instead of having this argument, I'm just going to say OK Boomer and dismiss them and go on throughout my day. Just passive aggressive. That has been every generation (laughs) that ever was. I agree. So back to Jay West's question, (laughs) is optimism and pessimism uh, related to your age. I can't even say pessimism. Nope. That's nope. how optimistic I am. No, nope. You I don't think, think it is? I think it's an individual decision. Mm. I, don't, a, I there... don't see a pattern or anything. I think it has to do with where you're at in your life, and I think everybody can hit those phases at different times in their life. Is there examples in the Bible of optimism or I was just going to say, so we just went through the Gospel of Mark for the last eight weeks. We went through a series of videos, in-depth scripture read, in-depth memorization, I mean, sermon content series. What's amazing through the entire Gospel of Mark, thank you, is that there was this hopeful expectancy, as some might say, oh, that's optimism, um, that people were saying, Messiah one day will come. And here's Jesus walking the earth, and yet in their human state, they were like, could this be Messiah? They had a perception or a perspective on what Messiah should look and sound like. And so they're trying to line up Jesus, and they're saying, nah, he doesn't fit my criteria. And so there was a level of pessimism against Christ from the community. that was perception, not pessimism. Hold on. Let me get to this point. So, but for those who had a hopeful expectancy in their optimism— they would listen to John the Baptist when John was like, behold the one whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And then he would say things like, behold the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. So in his perspective, his hopeful expectancy, he's like, yeah, this is the one. I'm all in. And he was doing all that he could to override the pessimism of the people. But is he really? Because he should be riding in with all this splendor and wonder, and he should be taking over the nation. And you know, there's this not necessarily Still hopeful expectancy. Disagree with you. There was that this, that had anything to do with optimism. I'm using or that pessimism. as an example. Go for it. Explain Ooh, your position. Throw the ball in her court. I just think you misunderstood. Like, hold on. No, there was a pessimism far. of the people. They're like. He just did that sign. I don't know. Uh, I'm having a hard time with this. So I'm going to go back to what I was talking about <laughs> with like the life stages people are going through. I think sure. that there's situations in people's life that will cause them to be more optimistic or more pessimistic. And I think pessimism comes a lot from hurt, like repeated hurt that oh. will cause that. 
I mean, I'll be honest and say I was pretty optimistic my entire life, and I lived through a lot of abuse and some very difficult situations and was always really optimistic. But um, when we went into ministry, I had an expectation that people in ministry were going to be like really nice and encouraging and optimistic. And I quickly learned that that wasn't the case. It was always the case. No. And so I think I, I was hurt a lot along the way and didn't like work through that pain. And that's made me really pessimistic. Mm-hmm. You think the people in uh, Genesis were pretty pessimistic about the whole flood thing? Noah build that ark. Yeah, like what are you? <laughs> come on, guy, really? Psycho. What, rain. Okay, sure. I don't even know yeah. what that is. You made that word up, so idiot. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's where the hopeful expectancy comes in because pessimism doesn't save someone. Optimism doesn't save someone. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that saves them. It's their faith. It's their exercise of their faith. So I could be serving along someone, you know, alongside someone in ministry in any capacity who may be a diehard pessimistic you know individual or serving alongside someone who is diehard you know optimistic but the point is is that the saving faith that we agree on becomes the center fo- the center focal point and then we work through those various issues so you know, whether someone's in either camp, it's the fact that we can identify that and learn from each other and then grow together. That's the big thing. Is like that's because we're just got wired personalities that may see things a little bit differently. But as long as we stay on the main thing, keeping it the main thing, man, great things will happen. So there's my hopeful expectancy. Okay, great things so, will happen. <laughs> so you were basically saying like it was a generational thing. I think I said that. Uh, Jay West was asking. I was asking it. Is it okay. attached to a generational? Okay. So if it, do you do you feel that it's an individual thing? I think it's a personal. Person? I think some of it's based on um, culture, upbringing, like what happened in the home, what happens around in the community, and then it also as a conditioning. There are conditioning elements that influence someone's perspective, whether it be like you had mentioned, abuse or hurt. Or one of the you know biggest surprises and joys that someone might say that may happen again, and now there's this hopeful optimism all the time. Okay, so I work a lot on my pesticism. Pe- Pesticide. <laughs> no, pasteurized. Oh. Yeah. Um, I work a lot on that. Like even though I may be pessimistic in my mind, I will try to outwardly be more optimistic. Like I try mm-hmm. to think about it before the words come out of my mouth. Sure. Not always the case. A lot of the time it's not the case, but but I try to do that. Is there any way people can get over or or work through being more pessimistic, like trying to be less pessimist, pessimistic? Yeah. Why are these words so difficult? I, or, sorry, or I people who are overly optimistic. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you want to bring somebody down from being a, an optimist, do you? I think you need to provide boundaries to them. And like you said, you know what? I feel like you're being fake. And, you know, wholeheartedly because we're fallen, that may be the case to hide some of the fakeness because they really don't have a good answer. I face that in my personality and sometimes the way I present things. I have to be confronted with that to see all angles of it. You know what? That's healthy for me because not everything's going to necessarily work out the way I think it should work out. Like, That's going to work out. That's going to work. It's, it's good. No, let's really dial it in and let's take all angles into consideration. Okay. You know, so it's being confronted with some of those things, but not necessarily where it's so deflating to the optimist that you're, that you're like, gosh, like they did not have their best interest in mind. It's now you're feeling deflated. I think there's a lot to making sure in that not being fake and being okay if someone says, I kind of feel like you're not being full up front about this. And here's why. Be willing to listen. I think okay. that brings good balance. Did that answer your question? <laughs> I don't know. I think I kind of like dazed out there while you were talking and didn't la, listen la, to la, everything. La, la. It's because she's too pessimistic. She's like, what are the odds you're going to say anything <laughs> that's going to change my mind? Nothing is making any coherent sense. <laughs> All right. Another question. Man. At our, at our rate, I think we have time for one more. We have 15 is, minutes. Is this the, the racist one? We could talk about the racist one. There's one right here from a listener. Let's see here. Okay. I have a friend who says racist comments, yikes, and jokes all the time. I called him out, but he doesn't stop. He's a good friend besides that. So should I drop him? Oof. Quick answer. Should I we mean, take a vote? I honestly have to think about how I feel about this. Uh, I say yes. To drop just him? Drop him? Drop him. 
racism is a big deal and it's it's unacceptable. Um, I think that's the first and foremost thing we just need to say. It's just it's unacceptable um, in God's creative order and the way that He's created us to reflect Him in His image. It's just unacceptable in all factors. But for someone. To say just drop them, I mean just dropping. I don't know if it really solves the only reason fixing the problem. Why I'm struggling with like just drop them is who else do they have in their life that's going to influence them mm-hmm. in a different direction? Uh, but uh-huh. you have to be careful with that because this racist individual, this racist friend, could impact the the question air que- the person the 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 friend that's not racist. Yeah. And so I agree with there's you on boundaries that. that are set. So maybe they're not your BFF, but they're somebody that you don't completely cut out of your life. They're just not the person that you're hanging out with. A mm. lot. So turn them from a drop them as a friend, keep them as an acquaintance. Yeah, I, I have some I'll say friends. I have some friends that I did not like the way that they talked about certain topics and stuff and so i don't really interact with them too much i i don't like like if they were to come up to me and talk to me i wouldn't like just turn and walk away mm-hmm. but i don't i don't have any need no. like like if, for instance with this question they said they actually confronted them about it and said hey that's yeah. not okay i think and that's the, person, the big difference maker here is they said they confronted them so they did make effort right and the person was pretty stuck in their ways um, I, I've also had other friends who didn't make racist comments, but it was more like sexual comments and, and stuff like that. And so I brought it up to them and said, listen, like that's, we're Christians, like that's not okay. You know, and I laid it out to them and they stopped making those, those kinds of comments and jokes. And so there's, you know, as friends, it's response. important to call each other out yeah. when when somebody says something that's not appropriate in a loving way, in a friend friend way. Yeah, but you have to be like your good your good friends. That's what they're there for. Like mm-hmm. that's what makes you better. Your friends make you better if they call you out for like like, hey, dude, that's not cool. Let's not talk like that. And then that should that should fix the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they slip a couple more times, <laughs> but like. Being called out by a friend, that's a big deal. Like, you should really feel the impact of that. Unless in this scenario, and I agree with you, but if in this scenario, the friend that called them out is not, like... It's not making a difference. It's not making a difference because the person who's making the comments does not consider this person as close of a friend as the friend considers them. Maybe. You know? Or maybe they're just so stuck in their ways that they're not convinced they're doing anything wrong. Yeah. But how do you... Like, do you just keep bringing it up then and help them realize that it is bad? Or do you bring it up once and say, all right, see you later? I guess that's kind of the question we're trying to answer. Yeah, I think it's uh, as little of exposure to this person on a regular basis as possible. But what if they're a coworker? (sighs) Okay, yeah. Okay, sorry, that's a little different Workplace relationships. Well, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says that um, let us ink. 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 Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Wait, what? Well, here's what he's saying. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And I've heard ministers throughout the years talk about, you know, your futures and who you hang out with. So the more that you don't provide healthy boundaries, especially in this issue of racism, uh, the more that you're letting that linger, that is bad company that's going to override when people are like, but you associate with them and you have to realize that there's just consequences. So I think walking with your friends, if they're going to become acquaintances, is at least speak to them, one, truth and love. Secondly, don't blow them up in public. Don't be like, what the heck? You know, why did you... Just, you know, if you hear it, it's a shock. Okay. And then take a moment to like bring some healthy correction. Like, hey, dude, that actually affected me. And here's why. You know, that's a that's a teachable moment, even for adults to be like, here's why it's important for you to throttle back. And if you're like, dude, you're a punk. Don't call me out like that. Well, you can make this decision based on God's truth, which is bad company ruins good morals. And I, that you just have to have draw the line. I've heard it said that you're a medium of the five people you're around the it's most. A good, it's a good way to say it. And so, which means that, you the the five people you're around the most is like what you are the average of the mix of those people and so whatever you want to be you need to choose to hang around the people that are going mm-hmm. to help encourage you to be that 
doesn't mean that you can't be around other people that don't believe like no. you or or act like you because we know in the Bible, Jesus hung out with people that weren't like him all the time, but he had his core group around him, mm -hmm. which would be his disciples. Um, and those were the people that he depended on and spent all his time with. And then he went out to the other people. Yeah. He was the and friend so of sinners. Minimize, minimize mm -hmm. that time that you're spending with people that are going to have a negative influence on you. Yeah. And you just got to rise above it. I think you got to go into it recognizing like, okay, I got to recognize my default modes where I may decline, but I got to need to, I just got to rise up above that. And you need a great support in doing that. You can't do that on your own. That's why we need accountability. We need, you know, strength. And I think that your example is a helpful example. I don't know, Nathan, what do you think? I think it's good to have accountability and it's good to have a, a solid support of upholding. No. What? I think count, accountability on. is a scam made by the church. <laughs> that sounds really pessimistic. I don't know, man. You should probably look into that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with everything that you guys just said, uh, especially with the, the core group of, of people and everything. Surround yourself with good influences, yeah. but then just don't totally shun those people who also need good influences because yeah. you could be the only good influence that they get. Yeah, I remember in high school, there was friends that were just like every week and they're just trying to think of the next, like push the envelope, you know, experience and go and doing things that would be one illegal uh, Two, are we really going to get hurt from this? Let's find out. And it's like, dude, ah, and I had to start making a conscious decision to say, do I really want to put myself in harm's way with them? And I finally just had to make the call. Me like, guys, I I ain't gonna go with you. And they're like, come on, Crockett, why not? I'm like, well, first of all, I'm a pretty, chicken. Yeah. Well, so. no, it was like, uh, I don't want to like go down this downward spiral with you. It's not worth it. You mean more to me than this experience. And I really hope you think differently. I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. And they totally bailed on me. Like, gone. Wow. And I thought, would they have been there to fight for me if I would have made the choice and suffered the consequence of their actions? I don't know. Yeah. But right there, I've really figured out quickly, who am I surrounding myself with? And it, it was detrimental because I didn't have any friends at that point. I'm like, well, here I am as a new follower of Christ. I don't got any friends. Yeah. And the ones I had, I was like, well, I don't even know if they're my true friends. I knew they cared about me, but it just almost became circumstantial based on, well, if you don't do this, then you can't be our friend kind of thing. Yeah. Petty things. And guess what happened? What? God provided new friends. Heck yeah. And they became my strength and support and my accountability. And that's why he's so optimistic all the hey, time. Hey, I met Rebecca. And everything went downhill. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did not hear that. And I did not approve of that message. <laughs> cool. What oh, do you guys, do you guys think I'm optimistic or pessimistic? Both. Are we still talking about that? I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty heavy though, right? It caused you to think. Yeah. I think all of us can relate to that. Like, what am what am I mostly? I, 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 I say you're a pessimist. I agree with Rebecca in that it just depends on what stage of life. I consider myself to be more optimistic. I don't know if I'm a pessimist or an optimist. Um, kind of depends on the subject. Probably more pessimist than I am optimist. But I used to be way optimistic. And then I went through a life situation where that just left me absolutely pessimistic all the time. And now, years later, I'm going back to be more optimistic. So it also helps that I have things in life that I kind of have to be optimistic about or else I won't mm. do anything to, like, <laughs> pursue them. So, you know, like a podcast. I would say you're optimistic in the encouragement and advice you give to your friends, but maybe pessimistic in the advice you give to yourself. Okay. Do you think that's healthy? No. You think I should be more pessimistic to the advice that I give my friends to? Mm -mm. You think optimism is more healthy? I than just pessimism? think you're harder on yourself than you need to be. Yeah, I deserve it. So, <laughs> how about me? Go for it. Am I an optimist or a you're pessimist? an optimist? Are you kidding how, me? how do I need to grow in my optimism? What would you give me a counsel on? This is a real moment. This is teachable. Um, I think I, I kind of did earlier I when did, talked right. about like <laughs> that sometimes you're so optimistic that it doesn't come off as yeah real. Yeah. Is this real? What, what? It's good. Yeah. It's good balance. Jay West isn't very real though. Like everybody who meets <laughs> Jay West for the first time is like, are you just putting on a front? Like you can chill out. I've talked about this. I, yeah. 
I think I've talked about this, like mm-hmm. meeting you for the first time. It was like, wow, he was really like friendly and everything. And then the second time is like, he's still friendly. And the third time <laughs> was like a jerk. Okay. Like, <laughs> he's literally like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Like he's like seriously like this all the time. Yeah. And then I, I've talked about this before. I feel bad being mean to him. Oh, I but can hurt your feelings too. Sometimes. <laughs> How? How would you hurt her feelings? But seriously, right he can. By being pessimistic. And, and like, um, you know, it was hurtful when he thought something was wrong with it me was. because I was, like, I was an introvert, you know, because he just didn't understand me. So um, yeah, I know that he will never intentionally hurt me. And I know I'm looking away from the camera right now, but I know he'll never like intentionally hurt me. But. And and that's why I always feel bad. Like if I bite back at something that like I feel like he's hurt my feelings because I'm like he would never purposely hurt my feelings. He's literally the nicest guy in the world. Like anybody who says like, hey, this dude's the nicest guy in the world. I'm like, no, he's not. You haven't met Jay West. Like <laughs> he's seriously the nicest guy in the world. Have you ever Damn. have you ever bit back and then from the face that he the makes recoil. that realize that he didn't actually mean to offend you in the first place, and you're like, oh shoot, I just counter it's I like mean, he we're acts- married we have stupid fights all the time <laughs> stupid it, fights it's like somebody accidentally it. like bumps into you and then you turn and punch him out of reflex and they're like oh what I, was the fight I, we got in me? last week that was about um you were on your phone oh i already forgave you we're good you weren't giving me your full attention <laughs> yeah. i said are you half listening okay. and i was like no 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 no, 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 no. I'm, I'm listening no no here it is so i was telling a story and you responded in an odd way to my story. How could you? And I was like, were you half listening? And you denied that you were half listening, even though I watched you texting somebody while I was telling you the story. All I wanted you to do was admit to me that you were half listening. I was totally okay with the fact that you were half listening. I just didn't like that you wouldn't admit that you were half (laughs) listening and tried to pretend you were totally listening to absolutely everything I said and that your stupid response to what I was saying (laughs) was accurate to how you would normally respond when you weren't half listening. I think it's so funny because I was trying to perform the multitask ability that you're so good. I'm like, no, I can do this. And obviously I'm like, I didn't hear. Anyway, I have said. listen all the time. I'm totally cool with <laughs> and it. And you admit it. You're like, I was Just listening. own up to oh. it. Okay. So yeah, then he yep. was like, Just well, well, I'll throw it back in your face next time you're half listening. I was like, fine. Cause I'll admit I was half listening. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. what it Talk came down it. to. It's you know, important things. <laughs> That's the kind of fights that we have. How did you guys get over it? And we laughed about it and moved on. We did laugh about it. Once he finally admit, not this time. And I used the verse that said, you know, love doesn't keep a record. Oh, long. you threw the Bible right. at her. No, he didn't. Well, he didn't throw a literal copy. He of learned the first year of marriage that that was an unacceptable response when you're in a fight. <laughs> also, I learned the first six also, months. I, was I like, think you need to pray about it is not an acceptable <laughs> response to tell your wife when you're in an argument. In the last two and a half minutes, why? Why is it so triggering whenever somebody brings up the Bible in an argument? Uh, I don't think it's the fact that somebody brings up a, the Bible in an argument. I think it's that they're saying that that they're better than you are. They're like, listen, you are in sin. I can prove it to you. And yeah. You're like, hold on. Like, like you're they're not? saying, I'm in a better place than you are, obviously. It's a holier than thou. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Or, I think that's what this is, is a conversation for another time, but the oh. authority of God's word always disrupts any conversation wow. especially okay. i'm wow. telling you when we're we a, can go when, down this when road we're in an argument if you pull that one out you're just nope and you can sleep on the couch with elvis yep no elvis sleeping with me <laughs> <laughs> i can put elvis out of the room just because he's made a bad choice <laughs> All right. Thank Love you guys it. so much guys, for listening. If you have any questions, we do these shock therapy episodes once a month. It's the first episode of every month. So Super the next fun. one will be whatever the first Tuesday of uh, May is. Yeah. You can text the questions to 816-787-1511 or message us on Facebook. Yep. Um, the text line is totally anonymous though. So if it's like a personal thing and then you're like, I, I want to ask this question, but I don't really like, want it to you know expose me that's fine all it shows is a phone number and we can't recognize phone numbers 
if we've never seen it before. Even if we did see it before, quite frankly. May May 4th. May the 4th be oh with you is the next chalk. That's going to be a theme. Yeah, we can talk about the uh, theological themes in Star Wars. Oh, goody. Perfect. Anyway, so that's uh, that's the next shock therapy. Eight one six seventy seven. I gave you my pessimistic face. Oh, I didn't know you had one. <laughs> it's the gym face. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jay West, thank you for being on the show. It's an honor. Rebecca, thank you for um, letting Jay West be on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, we will see you guys on Friday. My name is Nathan. I'm Rebecca. We out. Oh, and in case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.